Hello and welcome to episode 38 of series three of Cherry Jam. Myself, Ed Price, Russ Brooks, who's new to fatherhood, uh, James Eastwood, Jim Harley, uh, and uh, Loz may join us. He's out playing cricket uh, or possibly finished playing cricket. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, um, we're going to talk about the final game of the season for Gloucester, which was over a week ago now, Gloucester versus uh, Saracens. Uh, we will review the season. Uh, we'll also talk about the semi-finals this weekend. I'll be honest, I haven't seen a huge amount of them. I was playing cricket myself yesterday uh, and missed both games. I know the scores. Jim saw them, so that's all right. Um, and uh, and Snowy did. Um, and Russ, I think, caught some highlights, possibly. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, anyway, so we'll talk all about that. We'll, as I say, we'll do a review of the season. We've got sort of an alternative awards uh, to give out, some Cherry Jam awards, um, some standard, some not so. Uh, and then we'll we'll just sort of wrap it up for this season. We'll got a couple more episodes to do for this season, which will probably coincide with England's tour of Australia, etc. Uh, and then we'll be on a bit of a, a sabbatical until probably uh, early September. But there we go. Right. First of all, let's talk about the final game of the season for Gloucester, which was against Saracens just over a week ago, as I said. Um, a storming, storming win for uh, Gloucester over... We'll all be honest, a much changed and say weakened Saracen side, but you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, I'll open it out to the floor. Uh, who would like to sort of put their two pennants worth in first about the performance and um, what it might bode for next season? Snowy. Uh, mine will be a bit shorter because um, I wasn't at the game, so yeah. I only got to watch it on the telly. Um, I think, in a way, it was like our peak performance of the season, mm. but it, it just came too late. It's the, the team was pretty much as good a side as we can put out. It felt like it gelled really well. I thought like it was definitely Mian's best game in a, in a oh, Gloucester yeah. shirt. By a, by a stretch, he, and he did, he did a, play well as well. Yeah. yeah, he had a really good game at nine. He, he moved the ball out at the right times. It was yeah. quicker and sharper. His decision-making generally seemed better. We were less conservative which makes sense given the, the game context, but also just, I think we've now got the confidence that we can play. Um, obviously we didn't have Atkinson who would, would be our best 12, but I thought uh, we, uh, the Georgian centre had a really good <laughs> yeah. game as well. I love the way you thought about trying to pronounce it, but then get <laughs> yeah, back out of the yeah. last second. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, Again, he's been playing well, to be honest, since he's... But it also felt... Up. It also felt like it was a sort of 15-man side so that we, mm. we were using all of our strengths at the right period of time. And that that's why it's almost a frustrating reflection on the season for me. And I I will sort of say, firstly, I'll say I would have sh- shaken hands on fifth, I think, before the season, given how last season went. So let's put that aside. But what's, what's frustrating, but I'll also sort of allow it, is I think we were very late to make key decisions through the course of the season. So there were some things that we've settled on now that to us guys, not saying we should be put in charge of the coaching setup, that's for sure, but to us guys <laughs> were, were patently obvious for long periods. And it seemed to take a very long time to make certain changes and, and um, sort of settle on a team. And I think the team that's been really effective in the latter half of the season, we would have loved to have seen there in the first half of the season. And I think if we had played in that style and with that setup, um, just little things like Carreras at 15, like he is so obviously a fullback 
And it was so frustrating for many months that he wasn't played there. Now it's like, oh, look, you're playing him at fullback for a few games. Look how good he is. Mm. And ultimately, I think if we had been a bit quicker on the decision-making earlier in the season around some of those things, some of those games that we let slip away, we wouldn't have. And we only needed one more game and we'd have been in the top four. Yeah. Um, But I will let it go because it is ultimately, and, and I'll sort of admit that I got this wrong because I would have just at the end of last season I was like this is never going to work just get rid of the coaching setup and start again they are learning they are developing and they are improving and I think that's really clear this season and they are the obvious things they're not just ignoring them to the nth degree eventually they realize it and settle on it and, and make those changes and then we're getting the sort of fruits of those labors um, and this season was probably a bit more of a test and development season than it needed to be maybe but it certainly set us well up for next season and in terms of all of the vibes that you're getting out of the camp it's a really well knitted together positive setup it looks like we're retaining contracts it's still a bit early to say but it doesn't look like we're losing anyone really key um so i think we're I, i think we can go into next season all guns blazing and we're in a good position. I yeah. know that was a bit bit more of a reflection well, no, of no, the season than, than the game, but the, the no, game was... Fair enough. Yeah. I, it wasn't Southampton's top team, but and because the Southampton's top team strangle you and that's what we didn't have to go up against. But we, I don't think we could have played much better for the full 80. No, I mean, it, let, let, let's be honest about this and I'll come to Jim and rest next, but I think we all agree that if that had been Saracen's first team, we would have done well to win the game full stop. Uh, we certainly wouldn't have won 57 or whatever it was, seven. Let's be realistic about this. But as I said at the start, you can only play what's in front of you. And um, what I did like was the fact that we didn't allow their big game players who were playing, the likes of Lozowski, Malins, um, etc. Um to, to have an impact really outside of a few flashes here and there. Um, Jim, I'll come to you in a bit, Russ. I know you weren't there, but so I'll, I'll come to Jim who was there and we'll move on to you um, watching on telly, et cetera. Um, Jim, your thoughts on the game. I know it was over a week ago, um, but your um, thoughts on the game itself. Yeah. As has been said, we played exceptionally well against yeah. the team that was put up against us. Um I was actually disappointed that we, we gave them that drop drop ball in the try. Yeah, um, yeah it would have been nice really, to nil them, wouldn't it? <laughs> should have nilled them um, mm. because the couple of periods of play that they had um, in our 22, they were putting us under pressure. We didn't ever look like our defence was creaking. Um, they didn't really put us under any significant pressure. Um, so, yeah, I think... We controlled the game fantastically well. Um, it really was. I mean, it was a, it was a different type of carnival atmosphere to the Bath game as well. Mm, yeah, there, there was a proper like this is the end of the season. Um, the 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 crowd kind of got what the situation was. Yeah, we could get through to fourth, but realistically, it's not going to happen. Mm. And they were just enjoying watching some really really good rugby. And, you know, I kind of said it to you guys in the past. Um, I think for Gloucester, for the squad, actually having a really, really nice, no injury kind of finish to the season like that. Everyone's on holiday now. They're having a really good close season. 
Um, and like you said, Snowy, we finished the season on a massive high, playing possibly some of the best rugby we've played um, for the season. So I, I just think that will just give the, the squad huge encouragement come pre-season. Um, so they'll, they'll have, they definitely earned their time off. They're going to um, you know, have their bit of R&R and then they will come back, you would think, with a huge motivation to put in a massive pre-season and do a Leicester, you know, start the season hard. Yeah. And, and, and that sort of September um, through to Christmas period, which if we can get a really good start, which is anything like what we did, um, you know, this past season, that's, that's, that's the way to, to dominate the league, isn't it? To start strong and keep improving. And I think we've got a huge amount of improvement that we can still do. Yeah, agree with that. Um, Russ, one of the things that we've kind of routinely said on the pod was that we're really happy with the way the forwards are going. You know, the development of the mall and development of the pack has been, you know, it's def- it's been kind of the, the sort of the, what you'd hang your hat on in terms of what Skivington's done uh, in the last 18 months. Um, but I'm intrigued, I mean, you know, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. We, we've said this before, we worry a little bit that outside of the pack, uh, we haven't had a huge amount. And I, one thing I thought against Saracens and against Bath and even Quinns, we're starting to play some really attractive stuff, not just from the rolling mall, but, you know, outside in, in all sort of open play. I, get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'd agree. Quinns, I think we played the first half, like, like Freddie Clark's try was superb, wasn't yeah. it? that springs to mind um i thought what I, what i really like as well in that game was our ability to put pressure and turn defense into a really good attack um louis reese samitz tried for example carreras who i thought was absolutely oh, yeah. superb gets overlooked for that tackling jackal was just superb and the linchpin and i think what impresses me for a lot of our tries is this really good interplay between the forwards and the backs i mean hastings was superb alamano and reed set up zamet and i think that's good i yeah. really like you, our pressure in do you defense. think russ Sorry, do you yeah. think that do you think that they do a lot of training together because quite often you get the backs go and do their thing and the forwards go and do their thing do you think that they actually do a lot of training together to have that synergy. I mean, you're asking someone who's nowhere near qualified enough to be a coach to notice stuff like that. Well, right, I, on, on, just just to comment of... to comment on your point there, Russ, quickly, like Sa- Santi Carreras is an absolute class act. He's almost yeah. like that. He's one of those players that's probably as valuable a player as you can have for a Premiership yeah. side because he won't cost that much but he's top class international quality and yeah. you lose him for some international games, but nowhere near as many as you do for uh, an English qualified European qualified player. No, I think he's one of the best backs in the league. I'd agree with that. I, I, I love him. I love watching him play both defensively and in attack. I think all the Argentinians are worth their weight and go. Alamano, I think has been superb this season. Absolutely superb. 
Cicino uh, comes on it. And Singleton has been a great signing as well. I thought he was really good. I, you know, I think in terms of, I don't know if it's coached or not, Jim, but I think what it just speaks of is is that collective. And again, like Snowy said, I wasn't sure about Skivs at all. We've, you go back to our earlier pods, it's all evidence, oh, yeah. isn't it? Our thoughts on them. But I think what the big, biggest thing he's done is built that collective. And I think that is why they play well together. They, they clearly all enjoy their rugby. They, get on and it just makes it easier to play off of each other I think so yeah it bodes really well yeah and again that criticism that we weren't creating anything has kind of gone away I think because there's some superb bits of play and, and it's not just down to individual brilliance is it there's some really good team scores and it's the work rate like Freddie Clark's try was superb that was just a forward run in a really good line and he'll run those all day and that that's that's all you can ask of your team, really, isn't mm. it? It, it? Again, I'd have bitten your hand off to take fifth. I still feel like that London Irish game was was is, came back to bite us. But now I'm just being picky. I don't, fifth back in the Champions Cup, ended the season on a high. You'd have taken that really at the start of the season, wouldn't you? When you think how far where we were this time last year, where we were just desperate to win a game, really. Yeah, agreed. And I think, you know, I've kind of admitted it several times, um, including on the Lawrence Delalio podcast. You can listen to me on that, by the way, if you would like to. Uh, there's also a YouTube video if you want to see my ugly mug. Anyway, plug, I know, got to plug the, got to plug our uh, podcast in some ways. Anyway, um, I, 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 we, 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 were, we have to be all honest about this. Every single one of us was unsure, I think, in the nicest time terms, certainly of Don Waldock and his defensive structures. Uh, George Skivings put in probably quite generally, and you know, we as supporters, we want us, we want instant success. And I think if we're honest about it, we probably um, were a little bit too quick on the gun in terms of wanting change, and we can admit that you know, then the, the results have changed. Now, what I would say is that um, I think George Skivington has probably had a luxury that maybe other coaches haven't with the combination of COVID, lack of relegation, and also the fact that probably to a point, you know, a lot of Gloucester fans were were very happy with the way that the, we went back to more of a forward-oriented game, uh, something we hadn't had in a long time. You know, that driving mall at times is a thing of beauty. Um, not that I understand it at all. I mean, you know, I, I would prefer a Simpson-Daniel-esque, Reece Samet, uh, Steppy finishing the corner every day of the week but I, I appreciate the the how how hard these guys are going to work to get that type of thing right um and I and I think let's be honest we've got we've got to be uh, you know up front and say that it, the way the club are moving forward there's a connection with the fans again um you know that you can tell there is a there's a definite sort of good feeling about the club from the fans as you said, Jim and Russ, you've sort of uh, reiterated about the feel within the, the camp. Again, it looks like a really united camp. We're only losing three players at the moment um, with one to join. So it's an incredibly stable squad. It's a young squad, lots of young talent coming through. Um, I mean, I think the only... We may, we may see one or two more departures. I think we, we're all realistic to understand that there may be one or two quite obvious ones. I mean, Jake Pelledry hasn't been announced that he's going, but... Well, I, a... I really hope that's not the case, because I think if there's a position 
if there's a like type of player that we need, yeah, it's exactly. A, I think a fit Jake Pelledri this season would have finished in the playoffs because right. I think we've we've missed that ball carrying forward that gets over the game line. Yeah. I'd agree, Snow. I think you talk about Carreras. Jake's like the forward equivalent of that. He's got that X factor as well, hasn't he? He terrorises people. I mean, he's a freak of nature stopping on his best. For me, he's worth a risk. And I, I really hope that the rumours are just that. They're rumours and it's not true. Completely understand if it does whatever comes to pass why the club can't afford to take a risk in this day and age, but I just really hope it's not true as well. Sorry. Good thing is, if you're going to make up a rumour, it's the obvious one to make up, isn't it? So that's, <laughs> yeah, it that's, wasn't that, let's that be fair, in our favour. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, a shot in the dark sort of stuff, is it? Um, no, I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of move on there to the, to the sort of season review. I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, I think all of us. Um, and, and one part of it was just the sort of, uh, alternative Cherry Jam Awards. Now, we'll be fair that I think um, most of us probably would have had Ruan Ackerman, if not player of the season, he would have been close to player of the season anyway. He's been superb. I mean, he's done more in terms of, I suppose, carrying the ball. He's kind of had to step up and do the, what the Jake Pledgery role would be. Um, and to his credit, has not let other elements of his game slack at all. He's often been the uh, you know, a, a real leader on the pitch, and I think has ended up with more man of the match awards at Gloucester than any other this season. So, and he, he's been good when we've been bad as well. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah. you know, it, I, I can't think of a of a game where he's gone missing or he's had a bit of a sh- shocker. He's he's played no. well pretty much every I think time he's there. Played. Were one or two games where you just you could see he had had too many games in a row and needed yeah. a rest. He was tired. There was tired. the odd yeah. one just wait. But which you can always forgive. But aside from that, he just gave so much every game. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to get just a, an alternative opinion on player of the season. Now, obviously, we're going to say Ruan Ackerman, player of the season. That's fine. But we've also got other players that we can pick from. Uh, Jim, um, I know you've definitely got one already. So I'll let you go first on your player of the well, season. Yeah, because um, so what I said to you, Ed, yeah, um, is actually different to how I voted Mm. Um, in the um, in the awards, um, I'm sure someone else will mention who I actually voted for, so I won't. Um, yeah, Chris Harris, absolute, yeah. absolute boss of that back line. Uh, there is, you know, no question that we are 20, 30 times better <laughs> in defence um, with him being there. Um, I think the few games that we've had and he's gone off. Um, he's had taken a knock or whatever and he's left the field. It's been, it's been, it's not, it's not really obvious just sort of just watching the game, but there's just all these little things that his constant commentary, I think for the players around him is wanting players to be in certain positions hit the, you know, the way he just covers and makes tackles. Mm. Um, he is, Absolutely fantastic. And I think anyone wanting to play, you know, back three or 12 around him will just be, we can, we can put kids in those positions and they will learn so much from being with someone with that. And he hasn't got a huge amount of experience, really. He's still relatively young. Um, so I think he's, he's going to improve uh, more over the next couple of years, which is really exciting because um, he's you know, re-signed for a little bit longer. So yeah, I'm really excited to see more from him and um, our backline. Yeah. 
Uh, Russ, your alternative player of the season. You can you can choose Harris if you wanted to do. It's not. Um, he's up there for me. Um, I think um, I'm going to go Freddie Clark. Just, I want, just, oh, do you know what? I was waiting. For, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't disagree, but we all knew it was happening. Because let's be fair, because, you you yeah, you, I, you, I, you would leave you would leave them for him, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just, I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I will jokingly say, I think even if he's dead, he should play just because he epitomizes to me what you want from someone week in, week out. He takes on that bucko role where he's just, you know what you're getting. He's not going to do anything amazing, but he will work tirelessly. He, he, he leads our line out now. I mean, he was in the second row at the start of the season. He's started out in the back row. He's just tireless. And the, the moment that epitomised him for me was in that game we were at London Irish, where there's an intercept and they were cleaning under the post. And he came from nowhere to put in an amazing tap tackle. There are other players. I, I suspect Snowy might pick who my other choice was going to be. Hence why I edged my best. But yeah, for me... Freddie's up there as that player who you know what you're going to get week in, week out, and kind of epitomizes mm. what that Skivitan ethos in the pack's about, really. Yeah. Uh, Snowy, your your alternative then. Again, you can choose one of the ones we've already mentioned, but you know. Yeah, I've got on. a very barky beagle, so apologies if I get interrupted. That's fine. No problem. Um, so I was torn between Alamano and Carreras, and it, so it's interesting that Russ went for. Um, Freddie Clark over Alamano because I think Alamano has been absolutely class in the second row and he's he's, he's got everything that you want from the second row. He's he's physical, he's reasonably quick on his feet, he's great in the line out. Um, but my uh, yeah, my my non um, Ackerman player of the season is Santi Carreras because I think he's just. This is why it's frustrating he's played on the wing for so long. He's the perfect fullback. Yeah. Like he's absolutely safe as houses under the high ball. He's uh, a bit of a sort of ghost running with the ball, so he can hit he can hit lines hard and straight. He can he can sort of um, sidestep and move through gaps. He he just looks so relaxed on the ball. Um, and I, I think he's there's a lot of good good fullbacks in the league, but he's, he's up there with the best of them. Yeah, I mean, funny enough, um, I, I, I had a conversation with a, um, a number of other podcasts the other day, and um, when I referenced Carreras at fullback as my choice for fullback of the season, um, mainly because Freddie Stewart already gone. But <laughs> but I think if you're talking about other fullbacks in the league, I can only really think there's probably um, Stewart and maybe the lad at Northampton, who I think are probably equivalent. Um, yeah. In terms of yeah, the, the only reason you couldn't give it to Carreras is he's only played about five games there. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. But I mean, yeah, um, but those the the other ten games that he played on the wing, we were all he was going, still he was still he was still, he was still yeah, doing the stuff at fullback. Just, yeah. just add something. He was my other choice, and then Alamano, yeah. Clark were the, were the others I was talking yeah. to because I think they are the three yeah. week in week out are just tireless. And yeah, I, I'd agree. And I, I think it's hard to look past Carreras as one of the best fullbacks in the Prem. Yeah, I voted, I voted for him. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I voted for Harris um, on the on, in the actual vote. Uh, I understood entirely why Ackerman got it, and I expected I on Ackerman. Yeah. I, I, I expected why Ackerman. I expected Ackerman to get it. Um, but the, the the one thing I would say about um, all all of those guys we've mentioned, you know, Clark, Harris, Alamano, Ackerman. Uh, Carreras, you know you've had a good season when there's multiple players you can realistically turn around and go, 
that he could be player of the season. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's what's really encouraging. You know, when, even when, when we got to the playoffs a couple of years ago, Cipriani was so way above everybody else that year. I mean, he was, he was so far the best player we had week in, week out. And he'd been the star all season. He was such a shoe in to be player of the season. Now, I don't feel that we've got anybody that much better than everybody else. I think we've got five or six players that every single week are playing at the top of their ability. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Lewis Ludlow. You know, Lewis Ludlow has stepped up as a captain and as a leader well above what I think probably most of us thought, you know, that his his penalty counts drop way off. His discipline's far superior. He's, I mean, we, we joke about that. Dare, dare, dare I say it, like, that yeah. this is contentious, but I think he's a better captain than he is player. <laughs> Like, like yeah, I, I, I think I he's, a, yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he's a above average Premiership player, mm-hmm. but I think it, his captaincy is what makes him valuable to the Gloucester side, and the fact that he is willing to lead by example. So when, when we're getting a bit behind, we're a bit down, he's the one that will lead the line and go and smash something. But I think he's. I, I, I think ability wise, he's not, he's not quite as high as you might hope yeah. for someone in that position and that's and that's, <laughs> and that's why he's incredibly good to have in a squad and i think yeah. in training during the week he's very similar mindset so he will work and work and work and you know, train very very hard play very very hard um but that's probably why he's just not quite getting there with england is because it's yeah. such an incredibly competitive uh, position I and, mean, quality-wise, he's he's nowhere yeah. near their uh, international standard, realistically, and that's yeah, where and like international standard. Like that, and they're just you got leaders like that across the pitch, then. Yeah, so his, I, I, the value in his leadership isn't as you know useful. Yeah, I, I I'd agree. Having said, you know, I I probably was one of the more vocal about us lacking a captain, and again, he's really stepped up there and filled it. Um, he wouldn't if 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 not i i take get what you're saying snow if if not for his captaincy abilities he wouldn't be one of the first names on the team sheet would he but he's got something about him that just epitomizes what gloucester is and his leadership he's very vocal off the field he articulates everything in the way you want it to do he knows how to speak to the fans doesn't he he always tie taps into what the history and the culture yeah. of the club is about, which would always please the fans. And he, like you said, he'll he'll make a big hit or just step up and make a massive turnover when it really matters. And I think, again, Ed, like you said, his penalty count was always what was the most frustrating thing about him. And he seems to have tempered that side of him a lot more. So, yeah, he's... He used to sort of flow in and out of games a bit as well, yeah. didn't he? And I think he's a bit more consistent now. But I, I think the other value, the big valuable thing with him is that he's clearly got that relationship with Skivington so he can yeah. he can move the, the conversation down from Skivington to the players yeah exactly and I think you know if we think back to sort of the under the Dean Ryan era and and maybe a little bit after that that we had a lot of I would say clear leadership we had clear leaders in the team but it was often felt that there was you know the captaincy was a bit I don't know wishy-washy it was like oh this so uh, this person's captain this season Rather than yeah, if... we had we had like a a club captain, and then yeah. we had four people maybe that rotated actual mm. match day captain, and you don't get consistency with that. No, and, and you know even if Lewis Ludlow was not playing, um, you feel that that his his leadership um, 
qualities and the captaincy that he, you know, the way he captains the, the team, it isn't just on the day. It is across the whole uh, squad and, and across the, um, the week. So when you have him not playing and say Ackerman has to be captain or Hastings is captain or whoever's captain, Harris is captain, for example, or Atkinson, you don't really feel that you're losing anything because these guys are leaders as well. You know, they're, 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 they're strong characters, they're experienced, but, but you always feel that there's probably someone in the background you know, Lewis Ludlow might be there on the day and he's able to impart some a bit more, you know, that that vibe, that captaincy and the leadership that he's got. Um, uh, we no, let's of... give a, a quick shout out on, on play a bit to Mark Atkinson, who for about six or seven years ran into gaps with the ball free in his hand with <laughs> absolutely fucking no one to pass it to. Yeah. And finally, I know. this season, <laughs> it's like people are like, that's a fucking opportunity if I run off this shot. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. It's and what what's really amazing about that is the fact that every single one of us on this podcast, uh, like while we've been doing the podcast and way before, like every single one of us said, "Why the fucking hell do we not pick a line off him?" Because every other team in the world would do, but we don't want to do it. Um, I mean, actually, there's, there's another element. We again the offloading game in the last three or four weeks, the development of that into the into the general. Uh, uh, picture of the game as well so all these little things starting to fill into place yeah we're not saying we're going to win the league next year Jim might be but I, I think we're, we're just very encouraged by the general uh, well, we can talk more about that when we talk about the semi-finals well true yes um, yeah. we're just going to move through a couple of other things so young player of the year um, Charlie Chapman got it I think it's probably borderline whether he is a young player anymore because he's 24 well, yeah, we're, we're kind of having that discussion aren't we that that actually should they tweak that? You know, is there a difference between a young player as a forward and a young player as a back? Yeah. You've got the likes of Zamet. Yeah. I mean, he could be young player for the next five years, couldn't he? He's he could 12. do. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, the, the thing with, I think the, the reason Zamet didn't get it this year, which we might have expected based on the, the general way the gloss supporters kind of are, is that, I mean, Carreras, I think, is only 23, 24. Yeah. He's, he's young. I mean, but the point being is that I suppose... Chapman's a local lad. He's he's come up through the academy, and I think there's a little bit of bias towards that. I mean, we talk. I think you put Jim, you put uh, Bartlett, didn't you, Dan, as your young player? Um, and I agree. You know, he's had a brilliant season, and you've got people. Um, you know, you've got you've got. I say Carreras could be a young player of the year. Technically, it's it's how do you want to view it? I mean, I think Chapman probably. If we're going to, sorry, Russ, go on. I was going to say Chapman probably deserves it more than. Uh bloody premiership awards where Henry Arundel won it and he's played one bloody game. Yeah, I know he that was. was like the Land Rover discovery of the season, you know. Do you know, so- he, gets, do you know he gets four, like, he gets four lots of Land Rover discoveries in a row now as part of the award. It's like three or four, like, uh, discos as part of the award. It's ridiculous. It, I mean, it's all for just scoring that one try. One try. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's off one, one try. try. One try it's that will give premiership. I'm telling you. You look at the other players who are up for it, like Tommy Friedman has played almost every game for Northampton, you know, yeah. and Chesham at Leicester. But you go and score one world in that that's the problem with these awards. I think Chapman is hard to look. I'd have I'd have gone with someone like Bartlett, um, or even someone like Jacob Morris, who just turned yeah. up and played yeah. quite Jacob well. Jacob Morris had a cracking player. season. Yeah. I think again, I think a lot of it is it's it's kind of perception and it is difficult because a lot of people probably would have had maybe Chapman as maybe up there is maybe some of their player of the season. Um, but it, it, again, because he's a local boy and, and I, get, I get that that empathy for that. But um, yeah, anyway, I think we, we will probably agree with that's a fairly 
okay shout for young player of the year. Um, I think I think um, we were talking sort of what could they do to change that award. Yeah, and and I think you you could have a bit like they do with the Premiership is just have it as like an emerging player. So rather than a player that's young, mm. a player that has broken free from the um, the academy, you know that sort of the player that's playing their first season or maybe you know second season but first proper mm. um, in this league and yeah. actually coming to coming to well in, in, in America I mean the, the Americans I know you groan when I talk about American sport but American sport is they talk about rookie of the year and rookie of the year is a, is a distinct thing it's their first season in their major league um, and I think you probably could do that I mean you, in, in the rugby Jim we could look at it and just say only academy players so basically you look at players like that you know that who are in the whatever the premier academy i don't know how they, they they class it now that for gloucester but um people like george barton for example is in that select group that um you know those guys um i think charlie chapman actually technically is one of those players so um, yeah it, sh- it should be your your debut premiership game was in that season because that's still yeah. a lot of players yeah, that is a lot of players. Yeah, uh, that's a good criteria. Now, yeah, like it's it. an interesting. I think it maybe might might need to be tweaked a little bit just because we've got such yeah. a young squad now, haven't we? So, and and also when you're talking about voting, mm. you you will have the probably the vast majority of people that vote won't have a clue who any of those academy players are. No, yeah, no. I think that's the other thing is that you people are voting on what they've seen, and you don't like know Chapman. Him, they've not, seen no. lots of Chapman. Yeah, and they exactly. know who he is. Have they watched the Premiership Cup where a lot of those other young lads are like probably not probably their best moment? Yeah, exactly probably that. Not, yeah. No. Um talking about best moments, Russ, that's a lovely segue. Well done, mate. Um, best moment award. Um now this can be a individual moment in the season, or it could be a result, or it could be I'm I'm maybe guessing where we might go with this, uh, or it could be um a try. Well, we're gonna try, but yeah, best moment of the season for you. So, Russ, will start with you. Best moment of the season? I'm sure someone else will pick the obvious one. Oh, so well, you can pick, pick the obvious one. Moment. No, I think for me, there's a couple of big moments in that game. I think the one that epitomised it for me was um, uh, Ludlow's try in the Bath game. Yeah. And just seeing how much, you know, I think that's the moment when I decided I really got this team and I really started buying into it. Where because I think before it's like I kind of like the way you're playing in this effort, and I kind of want to believe that you've got this ethos and this team spirit you're talking about. But do you know what I mean? Someone was kind of not, I wasn't quite biting on it. And then you see just how chaff Ludlow was and the team celebrations and just seeing how much it meant to the boys. It was just a real display of how much playing for the club and how much that result meant for them. And you're kind of like, yeah, I, I can't not get behind you now. This clearly means a lot to you as it does me as a fan. Yeah. He doesn't score so a lot, does it? I think that was a real big moment for me. No, no but it yeah. was also that, just that outpouring of joy and seeing how much it meant to them. In a game that was already, it was over by then and you could just see what it meant to him. And yeah. it was kind of like, he yeah, went full cut spy, you're not he? just paying le- lips. Yeah, he did. It was like, you're not just paying lip service to this team collective of, oh, we're a, we're a really tight bunch. It was re- mm. it was roaring out there to see for me. Yeah. Uh, Snowy? I'll go for only a few minutes after that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that could JFR. tie in with the next one but yeah, yeah. go on the, the JFR uh, definitely not the, the best try but the, the JFR try in the corner yeah. 
because at that point it's like it's less it's less what it means to Gloucester and more what it means to Bath. Yeah, like we're just taking really the piss now, boys. When the <laughs> down the wing and scoring, and then of course is it, yeah, the celebration. Absolutely class. From, yeah, from Jamal. It was the fact he had time to showboat, wasn't it? it was really what <laughs> just stuck as a player. It was like, I think it's the same corner as well, wasn't it? The Vickery scored that try. It was, it was yeah. the same corner as the yeah. Vickery yeah. try. Yeah. They're not quite as impressive. Yeah. Did, no, the Vickery had 18 people on it. I was going to yeah. say, Vickery, Vickery well, ran over two people when he did. Yeah, I mean, the, Vick, the Vickery one is... Uh, yeah, go back and watch the Vickery one, though. I think it, it's it's... It's grown extra distance and extra defenders over the years. No, he's from. It's he's very on the, he, he, it's he, gets it, he, the gets he gets on the twenty-two. <laughs> and it, yeah. I, I think the one that everyone has forgotten was Trevor Woodman's when he came back from the oh, World Cup, which yeah. you know is very grainy footage. But watch that. There's at least a dummy in two sidesteps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was actually illegal. The, the, the Trevor Woodman one against Northampton was illegal. I can only assume that I thought he must have been telling that to, to Jamal for like the entire season Jamal just got sick of it and thought I'm going to go stay, stand on the wing for a bit uh, yeah uh, Jim your moment of the season I mean again As you, you know, probably Ed, imagine it'll be my, yeah. my moment of the season was that 80 minutes yeah um, yeah that game um, and like you kind of said it's it wasn't just what happened on the pitch it was what happened off the pitch it was yeah. proper wonder in that in that shed, it was party, mm. and I love that. And I think, um, you know, we we almost almost backed it up with a fantastic win at, uh, at Twickenham, but then yeah. we didn't play second half. And I and I just think th- that game and the Saracens game potentially um, the one that we won. Mm. Um, it kind of towards the end of the season, I think that will sell, sell quite a lot of season tickets. Yeah, no, you, you and might. I, and you, I think um, yeah. that, that we should be pretty good numbers-wise next season. Um, I know the wife's talking about getting a season ticket again for the first time in, I don't know, since we had the kids. So, mm. um, yeah, 15 years. So, yeah, it's that's pretty good. And I, th- I think that would be that, that's what the club needs. The club yeah. needs uh, pounds in the till, don't they? I, I mean, to be fair, like I, again, I could talk hours about that game just the it was it got to the point when that when Jamal scored his try and then Alamano scored his try about 20 seconds later um it, it was getting to the point where it was actually getting delirious I mean I'm in the grandstand so it's all very quiet and calm and very reserved over there but even then it was going a bit silly um I think the other moment that there's one I mean yeah that's clearly the moment of the season was the win over Bath I mean that was just ridiculous and and what was weird was the away game uh, at Christmas when we when we hammered him. That almost felt like an anti-climax because they were so poor then. I mean, they were so bad and we we, we beat them and it was such a, it was almost like a not a really a fuss. It was like we put 40 odd points away, uh, to them away and it was like, it kind of got overlooked. Whereas the home game, I don't know whether it was just the, the fact it was 64, I think it was the nil, let's be honest. Probably the nil was the one that it really did it. But the other moment for me, um, and it's it was... The try, the bonus point try against Bristol uh, at home, Charlie Chapman going in in the corner. That felt to me that was the one of the first moments where I thought, "Wow, that atm- the atmosphere was back." Uh, you know, it's been a long time, obviously with COVID, we haven't had full crowds in, but it 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 
that was like the old King's Own Raw. Yeah, we haven't had a sellout, have we? No, we've not had a sellout this season. And it was, and that was also, you know, again, we referenced before, a local lad scores a try in the corner against Bristol to get a bonus point. I mean, it was just beautiful. And then the fact there also was a hell of a try as well from the from the base of the scrum. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, in terms of try of the season, the Jamal Ford Robinson try of the season is what won it for the club at the club awards. Uh, I mean, in the last three weeks of the season, I think we could have had about five different contenders. Uh, Reese Samit's try get away to Newcastle won the try of the season, which is a hell of a try. But then I think, to be honest, the try against Saracens probably was a better try in terms of the way that the uh, try developed in terms of Carreras turning over and stuff. You've also got the Harris try against Quinns, which I thought was just ridiculous. I mean, it's a hell of a move. Um and then, you know, there's a, there's a couple of tries against Bath again, you know, which we, we, we kind of overlook in terms of how good they were. Um, do we, are we, are we all saying that the, the summit try against Saracens is the best of the season or do we have any other tries that we think we might be up there? I think, I think Freddie Clark's against Quinns was yeah. up there. There's a couple of early, Harris has scored a couple this year. Mm. Um, that have been really good. There's some couple of, I do remember a couple of good ones earlier in the season, but I can't remember exactly what they were. They're, like we weren't scoring fun. I mean, Zamets is a moment of individual brilliance, isn't it? But yeah. I do prefer his other one against um, Saris because it's mm. just such a good, t- it's from a really good bit of aggressive defending by Carreras. You've got great hands by Hastings, ridiculous offload by Alamano, and Geordie Reed's kick is brilliant. Everything you want in a try. That, 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 yeah. that, that does get overlooked because it's Geordie Reed kicking it. It's not yeah. like a 10 or a 12. <laughs> and it, it, the and commentator yeah. didn't really go to town. No. I think that's why, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You compare and, that to yeah. say how much they were going on about the liner try. Uh, on the same weekend, where to be fair, amazing bit of skill by uh, Marcus Smith, but they That's were going on, on. That was his job. And let's be fair, he's not as if this is the first time he's done it. I don't see Geordie Reed kicking the ball very much. Uh, Snowy, any other suggestions? Are you happy with that? Happy with that. Happy with that. Cool. Um, right. Final one, which is, well, there's a couple actually, was just the Eat Your Hat Award, which I will always win for the fact that I doubted Mark Atkinson. Uh, and the pod wins for the fact that we suggested that we should sack every single coach um, immediately for not winning Don't every game. God, he can't defend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Rubbish. Yeah. I mean, don't wrong. I think there are still issues, but, you know, we'll, 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 admit, we, we'll, we'll we, admit that um, he, he's got better. Can we... Um... Can we? It's not just this, isn't us just out in ourselves for eating the hat because you also were quite um critical of the Russian. Oh, yeah, yeah, but no, I I will freely admit this every single day of the week. I I went to every single preseason game and it was shocking, yeah. Yeah. No, you were actually. We talk about players that were shocking at the start of the season, and uh, Georgie Kavladsky, I mean, he was. I did not see. I didn't no. see the last few weeks coming. I will be honest. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. He stepped. Yeah, he stepped up massively when he was needed to, didn't he? Well, you you I was surprised you at how up. bad he was, though, because he he was. When you look at all his footage from games before he joined us, he looked like he would really do a job. That was a but, really good yeah. YouTube highlight reel. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, well edited. I just think, you know, both so the Georgian and the Russian. I think they came in to the, the Premiership and 
early season, they were like, bloody hell, this is tough. Mm. And all that's happened is, is they've been playing, they've been away, playing regularly. Mm. And they've obviously been training regularly. And come the end of the season, they, they've just started to get it. And maybe it just shows a little bit that, you know, they're probably never going to be world-class players, but they're going to be really good premiership club players. And actually, maybe that's saying that there's a, a the, the whole of the championship, you know, if you give them premiership standard coaching and mm. premiership players around them, they could all step up. Yeah. yeah. And I think you've got to remember, like, there's a lot of criticism about the salary cap and there's been a lot of players out of contract as a result of it and mm. not being picked up. But that's why you need players like the Georgian and the Russian because they've got to fill a <laughs> void on a budget. You know, yeah. they, you, they've got to step yeah. up. You, 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 you there's an opportunity, good. and they've both taken it. You got to remember for the Georgian, especially. We, where I think we're slightly biased now by the last few months of watching Gloucester. The first six months of this season, we didn't do anything with the backs. No, no, no absolutely yeah, nothing. Yeah, the, agreed. And 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 coming in at twelve in that team would have just been an absolute horror yeah, show. Yeah, you, 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 you might yeah, get the odd you, man and ball. You're going back ten meters at a time. <laughs> yeah, you could have put you could have put a deck chair there, couldn't you? And two bins on wheels <laughs> on the wings, and they would have done the same job at the kick chase, and probably as much chance of catching some of them. But yeah, in, yeah, in, in, pos- in possession, we'd go back 10, 15 meters, and by the time we got 50 meters would then kick it yeah and, and we scored tries exclusively for multiple penalties resulting in a rolling balls yeah no, agreed and, and I think, yeah. You know, we, yeah we have to be honest about it like yeah uh give us lads he he was he was being put into teams and also he was putting into teams where we were <laughs> we were sending second string sides out to european games or we, we were playing he was playing the prem cup with them we're just surrounded by kids you know and and it's it is hard i mean it's a it's a hard thing to try and impose yourself in those games once he's got better players around him and more and actually that means he's got more time um he's definitely uh showing a little bit more in a sack i think i i never really doubted him defensively i always felt that he clearly was a very good defensive center but it was just going forward he seemed to struggle a bit i mean the the going back to the russian gym and you mentioned about the championship um I, it could just be that actually championship props they don't have to do anything else they are at the end of the day scrummaging machines and that's where they make that's where they make their living and if you're a if you're a if that's all you're spending your time on you probably are going to be a, a quite a destructive player to play against and i think that's probably different to say a premiership prop where you've got to do you've got to get across get across yeah. the pitch and go over val, the val, and... val has been incredible he's been an extra back he he's the other one who should I you know we didn't even talk about him in player of the season probably because he doesn't deliver long term on that. But I remember that game we lost against Exeter. I've never seen a prop for forty yeah. minutes just be everywhere like him. His work rate is yeah. ridiculous. He, he, Over the ball, he is like another back rower, and he's yeah. scrummaging when he's in the mood. And I think the other point, sorry Ed, is just. Our scrummaging wasn't great at the start of the season. Our line-out's been really good, but I think our scrum has improved week yeah. on week and is actually, I, I still wouldn't say it's amazing, but it's its very solid now. Yeah. It's, I think that's a lot of good work there. Agreed. I mean, I think we, we've 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 said in the last few weeks we've struggled. Our lineout seems to have struggled because we we're lacking kind of that sort of enforcer type. I mean, Alamano is very good at that, but we're lacking that depth. So when Alamano goes off, 
we probably don't have that direct replacement. So where Slater would be available, a like for like swap there would be you, you're not going to lose a huge amount without Slater there. We do seem to struggle in line out, particularly into pressure situations. Um, yeah. Quite final thing we'll just touch on in terms of um, uh, other awards, the Cherry Jam Best Player from Another Team Award. Now, I Jim put his suggestion in, and I have to be honest, it's between him, I'm not going to mention his name, let Jim enjoy it, and for me, Freddie Stewart, who was the best player. I, I mean, genuinely, that first week of the season when he was fullback, and we put God knows how many high balls on him, and he was just superb. Uh, and let's be honest, he's going to be the England fullback probably for the next 10 years, realistically. Um, I mean, I know, obviously, we don't know what Eddie Jones is going to do. He could put Buddy Carl Sinclair there. I don't know. Um, but Snowy, your thoughts, Jim, I know you'll we'll come to you about your suggestion because it's really the only correct answer. But Snowy? I'm going to go for Ellis Genge. Mm-hmm. I think he is um, certainly been a, a big cog in the wheel that's been Leicester this season, that for, over the course of the season have, have been far and away the best side yeah um it's, it's a real surprise that he's he's off back to bristol next year mm. um but yeah i i think he's been absolutely class i, I know we'll touch on the semi-final soon but there's a run yeah. he makes in the semi-final today where it's like jonah lomu-esque players yeah. dropping off him <laughs> baby <laughs> rhino and he's proper baby yeah. rhino in it yeah, yeah. no i agree russ your thoughts any i mean uh, focusing uh, on any players uh, against us no yeah. Against us, so I specifically would, against us, yeah. If you're going against us, I thought when we were up at sale, I thought Bevan Rod looked a really good prop. I mm. really, really I, I liked him before, but at that game, he was I can't remember who we had propping, but he had us on toast for most of that game. I think yeah. it might have been Alrington, so to be honest, you know, but anyway. <laughs> I thought he looks a really good player. And in the other games I've seen, I think overall for the season, going looking at Leicester, mm. I think Liedenberg looks really good in their back row. He's yep. just a pain in the arse and just relentless. Um, you know, and, and, and Stewart, like you said, Ed, I think that. But yeah, again, I thought Rod, other than the obvious, you could put half of Harlequins from the second half against us as well. But Yeah, or one bloke from Saracens, as Jim was about to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's the best player in the league. He's probably the best player in the world. I don't really watch a lot of Southern Hemisphere rugby, so maybe there's someone off about down there. I don't know. But <laughs> Maro Otoji, I mean, there's there's a reason that Saracen's first 15 demolished us and we didn't get a single driver more going. And it's because mm. our line-out could not catch a cold. We were, He was just everywhere, doing mm. everything. Most of it right on the limit of legality, maybe a few inches over. But he is such an intelligent chap that he works the referee and he knows exactly what he can get away with. And that's where he sits for the entire game. Yeah. And he could he could do I mean, I, I thought time he's so fit. I, I think you could also from there I'd say Toes is a good chat. I also Vuna Pola against us in Europe. Oh yeah. He was just unbelievable. ridiculous. As unbelievable well. performance. You know, just unbelievable. That's like when he was at his best, you just ridiculous. I mean, who thought it was a good idea to put Hastings defensively against him for the five meter <laughs> pickup? Yeah, it was a bit but, it was a bit know, car crash, isn't it? Like Hastings yeah. is probably still regretting that, isn't he? But, yeah. yeah, I thought him. I think it was interesting against Saris, I thought actually our rup defence was and Christian Dave mm. in commentary pointed on it. I thought we were on the edge a few times in the 
right way, you know. But there were times where you're like, God, we're pushing this and we got away with that. Yeah. And I think that's what's always funny about Atoja. You moan like fuck about him unless he's playing for England when then you're like, ah, he's canny. He's, a, you know, really canny with what he's doing. And yeah. that's a well, mark that's the of thing, a good player. The, 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 best, the best players in the world, you know, you, you give them huge amounts of respect. And when they're playing against you, you properly hate them because they are so bloody good. Mm. Yeah, the okay. thing with Atoji is he adapts as well, doesn't he? He yeah. quite often will recognise when a ref isn't going to let him get away with it, so he'll he'll come at it in a different way. And I think that's why he's such an intelligent player. Yeah. He's not someone like Ludlow used to be in the past where he just wouldn't listen to the ref and adapt. Mm. No, I agree. Yeah, but like you say, he changes it as well. So rather yeah. than being, oh, I need to be half, you know, half the metre further back for the offside, He's, um, it's kind of like, he'll just, rather than try and attack that way, he'll attack a different way and he'll pressurise in a totally different area of the work or, you know, the field and get the same results and put in, put in the same amount of effort. Yeah, very clever. And he ain't going anywhere, is he? He's a no, Saracens he, boy. He's a, that's a testimonial and a bit in it from, uh, um, yeah. Um, Right, uh, we're just going to pause briefly and then we're going to come back and review the, uh, the um, semi-finals uh, and um, look ahead to next week's final, which we all know who's playing, but we'll, we'll do that very shortly. Okay, we're... Back and we're going to talk about the semi-finals. But um, as we've been recording this evening, um, Russ has just brought it to our attention that probably one of the greatest players of all time, uh, Phil Bennett, has passed away. Now, um, but I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure he's been unwell for a, a little bit. Actually, um, there were some news stories a couple of weeks ago that he was um, really unwell. Um, now, way before all of our times. But I, if I mean, anyone my our age, like mid to late 30s, early 40s, talk to your dads, uh, talk to your uncles, uh, talk to anyone of that generation. And Phil Bennett is mentioned up there with, well, very few other people. Um, and um, if you want to see how good Phil Bennett was, just literally go onto YouTube, stick his name in YouTube, and honestly, some of the tries, some of the stuff that he was doing, I mean, the Barbars try against New Zealand, probably the greatest try of all time, starts with Phil Bennett doing the most outrageous, outrageous double step. Um, and, um, you know, it, you, we can't really say anything more. It, an incredible, incredible player uh, and a legend of rugby. Welsh rugby obviously is poorer for his passing. Um, and, uh, you know, not that it means anything from us really I suppose but our thoughts would obviously go to uh, his family uh, friends and the Welsh rugby uh, public right moving on uh, we're going to talk about the semi-finals um, what we all expected really uh, Leicester and Saracens both home wins uh, I didn't watch any of the games I was playing cricket at the time I know that Jim and Snowy did uh, Russ, you've watched some highlights, I believe. So I'll let. I watched about five minutes. Yeah, exactly. About the same as me. Um, literally the tries. Uh, so Jim, Snowy, if you want to take a game each, whatever you want to do, I don't mind. Um, you crack on, Snowy. If you want to go first, you take the 
uh, Sarri's Quinn's game. Yeah, so just a, a very brief overview of both games. Even mm. though both games went the way that you'd expect them to, they neither game had to. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll do Saracens <laughs> first. But um, so the the Sarri's Harlequins game was really a game that was marred is that the right word i'm not sure but overshadowed well, yeah, overshadowed a topic that we've seen a lot this season of course which is the head contact decision making around yellow cards and red cards yeah um and quins were the the benef- the benefactors of that for the most part in that they spent i guess maybe 40 minutes total with at least a man advantage in this significant period of time with a two-man advantage and Sarri's defended like Sarri's do like they know in that situation how to waste time how to slow the ball down how to um, really sort of strangle the opposition so that that time period elapses but Harlequins it was just inexcusable how they didn't manage to make the most of those situations um, there was t- time and time and time again where just some sensible decision making and a few smooth passes and they'd have been in and really they should have been within a score or ahead in that in that last 10 minutes and, and had the opportunities to take the game after starting very well um, to give Saris their due they play a style of rugby which is very similar to what we play at international level which maybe isn't that um that's surprising considering the number of England internationals that are in that side or about that side, but they, they strangle the op, the opposing side. They dominate the ruck and then they make gaps in a more, it's not all about flair. It's about getting the opposition onto the back foot and then doing the simple things really well and gaps will come. Um, and Quinns were just less mature. So when they had those opportunities, if they'd just done the simple things well, they were probably the better side in terms of the style of rugby that they were playing, but just nowhere near as smart as Saracens were. So I think Saris were deserved winners, um, but there's also a couple of yellows there that you could argue were reds, and there's still there's still a lot of this. There was there, one. Was, still... it, was it that game that was it Tempest the TMO on that game or was that the second game I forget? And just the referees trying to mitigate before he's even yeah. decided, like started talking through it. It's not. It's not black and white enough. It's too subjective around the mitigations. So I think it's sometimes it seems very black and white now so it's like right there is head contact so that's where i'm starting with and it's a red card and then it should come on to the mitigations being um did the player like slip into the tackle go in really low um and could the and what and the big one is what was the defender's like body position going into the tackle yeah. And I think if they're clear around those things, it can be quite easy to make those decisions. But some of them just, they, they're, they're looking for mitigations because they don't want to ruin the game because it's a big game. And that is not consistent with how it's been applied earlier in the season. I don't no, know what I mean, your take was on that, game that should have had three red cards. Sim- simple as, it was a flying yeah. head, but every time it was head to face or head to head, um, tackler not in control of their body, 
Um, that's exactly what we're trying to eradicate from the game. Yeah. Should have walked. Yeah. I, I mean, as I said, I haven't seen a huge amount of the, 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 the Quinn Sarries game. Um, uh, from what I have seen in terms of the tries and the general highlights of it, 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 it seemed to me, as you said, Snow, that just Sarries were far more clinical. Um, uh, yeah, but both, saying that, both kickers, mm. um, Farrell and um, Marcus Smith, missed sitters for yeah, them. Yeah, and important kick. Smith missed the last last or second last Quinn's try, missed the conversion that was, he took about, he took the full minute over <laughs> when time was critical and mm. then fluffed it. And he missed it. <laughs> and mm. like he got to put that over. And that, yeah. that is a slight concern at international level for sure. Yeah, yeah, the, the the critical kicks. He's missed a few of them now, hasn't he? Um, not that we can criticise him too much, but that that you know the the, the champ, Champions Cup game, which would have that would have won them the game. Um, going on to the Leicester Northampton game, um, I mean, it looked like it was the. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many times did they drop the ball, Northampton? Throw the Honestly, ball? I was watching that game, just thinking, my God, if Gloucester were in this, we'd be ahead by twenty. Yeah, like. You still wouldn't. You still wouldn't fancy us, though, would you, mate? Ahead by twenty. That winger, that poor yeah. bloody winger. I mean, he literally, like, had he lost open, in the game. He yeah, had an yeah, open goal, and he was two meters away, and he mm. kicked it over the bar. Like, how can you not catch? <laughs> how can you not catch? A, the one pass was a little bit awkward. Yeah, but yeah, he was under no real pressure. But the first yeah, he, one, he was a bit unlucky that he actually got a touch of his hand in a way, didn't he? And he did quite well off it. But the second that, one was yeah. bread basket. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was kind of TMO. Oh, he's just about knocked it on. But then technically, did he knock it and then kick it? I That's don't know whether he knocked it the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, if he's yeah. not in control, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah, quite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Northampton, just, just horrendous. Like... What what are they doing? Simple, simple, simple. Yeah. Pass the ball. There was there was another time I think they did pass it back inside and scored, but they just got a man overlap on the left, just passed the ball to him. Yeah. Um, like I don't know whether it was just white line fever, whether they were choking, what, but they did not look like they were going to win that game after the first ten minutes. They had all those chances, yeah. didn't um, didn't get any. Points. They scored a hundred tries this year. Northampton, um, mm. which is incredible when you think about it. 100 tries. And I watched, I say, I watched the sort of extended highlights of it. And I'm thinking, how? Because they keep dropping the bloody ball. Oh, that was it, you see, because they are incredible at creating opportunities. It's just today they just fluffed that the last pass time and time and time. Yeah. Again. It's remarkable, really, isn't it? And then they, they missed a lot of kicks as well. Yeah. And yeah. then Grayson, Grayson came on and, well, um, Bigger was missing, and then Grayson came on, and he was missing as well. Like, and not just a bit, like proper shanking it wide. Mm. Um, well, that couldn't then, happen to a nicer bloke, really, could it? To be honest. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the games, but I bet Dan Bigger took it well. So I'm you know, a bit, uh, <laughs> devastated. Then, towards him. the end of the game, when you think really, Northampton should probably be twenty points up with all the chances they've had, and they're not, and then they've got. A chance to maybe sneak it, then they get that yellow card that was a penalty at worst. I mean, it was a weak seatbelt, mm. and he gets a yellow card for it. And you think, what on earth game are you watching? All these red cards have been yellow because there was a couple in that game as well, and and you're giving him a yellow for that. Yeah, like... that, it was a it was a seatbelt that 
maybe slipped up a little bit by not even sure it really made contact with the head. And it was a, uh, yeah, just straight, straight yellow head contact high tackle. It didn't, it was nowhere near some of those big head collisions you saw in earlier in that, that game that, and in that the, were also the yellows. It's like, yeah. yeah, I know. No. Like the consistency of, and I was, I was going to say actually, the refereeing, other than the yellows that shouldn't have been and the yellows that should have been red. Every other part of the refereeing of those two games was absolutely fantastic, mm. and I, and I, and I was, you know, really impressed. I think uh, Luke Pierce, especially, um, I think he's now overtaken Wayne Barnes as the number one ref, uh, you know, in England, therefore um, the Northern Hemisphere, therefore the world. Mm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, that's that went. true because there aren't any other. A good rest. No, yeah, to be fair, the, so Southern Hemisphere refing is dreadful. And if you want to, ex- you want ex- examples of that, watch the Super Rugby uh, semi-finals. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, by the way, when we get to the World Cup, yeah, the way the Premiership has been refereed is not like the rest of World Rugby. It's going to no, be an absolute shit. Show. It's going to be an absolute free for all. And I'll be honest that uh, if you want, if we moan about head contact and how to properly sanction it and stuff, Southern Hemisphere rugby is just the Wild West. It is hysterically bad. Um, Russ, I wanted to state your view on the final. So we've got Saracens Leicester. Um, let's be honest, the best two teams in the league this year by a stretch. Um, who do you think is going to win? I mean, it's like asking me if I want to cut my left or right arm off, if I'm honest, in terms of choosing is, who I'd is like Is it to really, though? Is it well, really? I mean, I'll be honest, I'm very I, clear I mean, on it's who less, I want. No, it's if, saying if which arm you like best. <laughs> well, I'm left. I'm left-handed, so okay. So that's um, Leicester. Leicester. I'm going Leicester. <laughs> to be fair, Saracens, the team, I don't have a problem with. They're no. very good at what they do. They play it very well. What I find fucking boring is the media coverage around Saracens at the moment. Of oh, what brave, heroic team! What a story! Two years in the wilderness and back they come. Whose fucking fault is it they were in the wilderness? Sorry, I had to. I've, I've been building that round for a while, and I've tried yeah. to keep it subdued for the rest of the pod. It wasn't but the it just—it was only the championship. I know. It's like it's so. It's really dispirit. It's really disrespectful to the championship. And also, if you break rules, generally get punished for it and not you know fair enough they've done amazing to get to the final they've overdone it but the narrative is just I'm, I'm not buying it bt fuck off kind of thing but i don't know i can't imagine this is going to be a final that's going to set the world alight. i just think it's going to be really attritional and it's going to be the team that holds their nerve the best so it's probably going to be saracens but i'd really like it to be leicester yeah yeah, I, I mean, I'll come to stone and say, I mean, to be fair, you talk about like journeys and that's the, you know, the, the narratives that media like to put out there. The Leicester narrative is far more, I think, far more entertaining and far more interesting. A club that's traditionally been a superpower of bringing English rugby, fallen um, it's a, to incredible lows, only saved from relegation because of Saracens cheating. Um, and then in three years, two years, they're now in the Premiership final and, and you know, looking probably... It'd be an interesting one to actually see the, the, the odds on this, but my guess would be that they would be the, probably the favourites just based on and, the and, season. 
and that would be a lovely story as well, Ed, wouldn't it? The team that's come back from it. If only they didn't have questionable salary cap usage yeah. themselves. It is a bit awkward for the it's not a good both look. sides. It's, yeah, it's just not a good look for rugby at the moment, is it? That the no. two sides uh, both had allegate. Well, one has been clearly founded. Leicester's is iffy at best, isn't it? It's, it's not great, but... What do you reckon, Snow? Yeah. Who do you think, sir? Who's going to think? I mean, my guess is going to be Saracens. I'd like Leicester to win, but what yeah, are your I think I think Saris are the better side. I think um, look, Leicester weren't great um, against Saints, to be honest. And I think they did get away with it because Saints just fluffed so many opportunities. Um, and I, I think <coughs> I think Saracens just know how to win. I think that's the difference in those big games. I think they can play in lots of different ways, and I, I think they can. I think they'll have worked Leicester out and I, I think they'll strangle it and control it. Um, I mean, it's kind of good that the two best sides over the course of the season have got to the final, but I think there's sort of an interesting nuance with the playoffs, which is probably a bad thing, but I mean, the playoffs aren't going anywhere, is that the rugby played in the last six weeks at this time of year is a completely different sport than over the course of the season with the conditions. And we've seen... Was it the last the last um, round of games? I I haven't seen a stat on it, but I'm convinced it must have been the highest scoring weekend yeah, ever. In apparently, it was. Rugby. Yeah, apparently it was. Yeah, it was yeah. the highest scoring. It, it was like 80 points average a game or something. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. And it's and in a way that suited us now that we've started playing with the backs. But it it the trouble with the playoff system, of course, is that that is not necessarily then a true reflection on all the your ability to manage players that are away with international duty when it's pissing down with rain and I know the pitches have improved and stuff but it yeah it's yeah, not really on, there was a really depressing that, sorry Jim I was just saying there's a really depressing stat that came up that that Leicester Northampton game is the first time that they've played each other all season and they've had their international players available yeah. for selection. Yeah. That's just not a good, that's not great, is it? It's, you know, because again... Well, that, that is the only sort of saving grace, if you like, for, for keeping the playoffs. Yeah, um, it evens it out, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. It, 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 over the course yeah, of the I season, agree. we would have been top, but, it, but because we lost those three games during the international window, because we were much more depleted than our opposition teams, therefore... And, and I get it, but it's it's funny because it's been quite a few years since we've had, um, you know, supporters moaning about the playoffs. And there's lots of Leicester, play, um, Leicester supporters moaning about the playoffs now. And that's probably because they're scared they're going to get beaten by yeah. Saracens. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's quite it's quite nice because it's not us moaning for a change. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You, you talk about the season and it is. It's like what you could have the most fantastic scoring a hundred points every game kind of team because you play on a on a beautiful pitch like ours that's fantastic running rugby and we have absolute monsoon conditions for the next week and Twickenham's a mud bath and as good a pitch as Twickenham is if it rains solidly for a week it's you know gonna be wet. Uh, and then all of a sudden you go, well our game plan ain't really going to work very well. You play up against a team like Leicester with massive forwards and the forward game that they've got and they'll win it. And you go, well, that's hardly fair because we beat them, you know, by 80 points the last two times we played them. So I personally, um, I think we should have a much better cup competition. 
so that we, ha we can have a proper Twickenham final like we used to. Um, and then just reduce the season a little bit, save those games. I, um, I think for me, it's the playoffs are here to stay. They're not getting rid of them. To be fair, the only bit I really got to sit down and watch was the build up and the atmosphere of that Leicester Northampton game. Before. Yeah, 22,000 fans. I mean, I mean, it's yeah, it's but, a massive derby, that East Midlands derby. It was a great advert for the game. I think what they need to do, because you can do it in football, is find a way to just sort out player welfare so that international players are available more in the season because it does dilute it. But I just the playoffs aren't going, are they? They're not going anywhere. Well, it's 20 like, years they next do year. Have great yeah, exactly. It's it's time to let it go, Gloucester fans. Let's yeah. you know. I know we can hold a grudge, but I, I just think there's the, the league needs revisiting. Um, we haven't even talked about the fucking shit show that's Europe and the South African teams yeah. coming in. No, that's, so, that's a know, story for another week. It's just yeah. farcical. I, isn't I don't it? think the international player availability is going to improve either because the no, trouble is in rugby is that the money's in the international game, not the club game. And in football, yeah. the money's in the club game, not the international yeah, game. Yeah, I, 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 I take difference. that point completely, Snow. I just think that that's what I would like to see change. I just, I, I take your, and I'd love a decent cup competition, Jim, as well. But player welfare at some point actually yeah. does have to matter well, and not pay lip service to it. They, they want to go to 14 teams in the league, don't they? So that's going to be yeah. another well, two, that's another two weekends. That they've got yeah, to I mean, I, I think what will happen once, once we go to 14 teams in the league, the cup competition dies. Yeah. Or it will become an under 23s competition strictly. Play on, a mon play on a Monday night like they used to. Well, yeah, just like make it an A-League. bring back the A-League. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting, I did I did hear, I can't remember which who it was now, but someone was referencing we should, we do need to bring back a, an under-23 league because just, the, the ironic thing is that um, the clubs, there's a lot of lads who aren't getting any rugby at all because they just yeah, haven't play, got... Player welfare, but there's there's kids that play twice a season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, 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 there's definite things we need to look at, um, but I think that, and that's one of them, we need to look at the, um, the getting these under-23s and academies playing meaningful games uh, whether that's a, whether that's a knockout cup com, 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 competition or however you want to structure it, well, but you need have to it, make... have it as an A League like conference thing, two yeah. conferences. So they play their home and away in their conferences, and then have a really big playoff. Yeah, you know. I, I, I mean, I, I think to be fair, that one of the, the biggest issues with the Premiership Cup, more than any other, is the fact that clubs like Worcester and Irish and whoever can treat it with a certain level of um, you know, importance, whereas other clubs where they're playing league and Champions Cup, etc., can kind of put a bit of disdain to it. Now, what you probably want to have it make it an evening, an even keel is you say, okay, well, you're allowed to have three players or however you want to do it over the age of 23. Everyone else has to be under the, under the age of 23. You've got use of your academies um, and, um, and, and away you go. And, that, you, and you play it on a Monday so that if they've played on a Saturday, then chances are they ain't going to be any good on a Monday. No, no, exactly. No. Um, right. I think for the moment, we'll leave it there. Uh, we've got, we will do a pod next week after the final, um, uh, the close of the English rugby season. There's also England Barbars with hopefully some Gloucester involvement. Johnny May, Mark Atkinson and, uh, and Jack Singleton are still in the squad. Unfortunately, Freddie Clark has been uh, released. Yeah, I mean, I did interest. There was an interesting tweet earlier because Danny Kerr's back in the squad, and someone suggested that it was actually because um, if he gets picked for England, he can't get picked for the Barbars. 
which I, I, I have to be honest, there's a little bit me thinks that Eddie Jones probably would do that. Yeah, because um, you know, Danny would probably be like, oh, that would be fun. Yeah. He would play even better yeah. to prove a point. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting, uh, that'll be an interesting game actually. But um, if, could he could he just do it anyway? Could he do that, training with England? Could he do training all week with England? What I'd love is him to be get, stood there on the bench and just and pull off just, his shirt. And just yeah, turn up. probably yeah. training top off. Didn't I? I always remember when I was younger, Mike Teague had a game where he played cross to play England in a friendly. And he played a half for both teams. He did, yeah. That would be zone, quite yeah. good. If he could do, I remember it really well because he got cheered the first half, booed, got booed the second. The second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's one of Which, my first games. Yeah. But yeah, that would be that would be great to see Danny Care do that. Just switch sides at halftime. And, and talking of end of season ideas and things like that. So obviously next season, I don't know how we're going to work this, but obviously next season, in, at some point, uh, it might end up being the, the following season, but next year then, shall we say, it's the 150th anniversary of Gloucester Rugby. Um, and uh, we're, I'm going to maybe have a thought. We're going to have a think about maybe some interesting ideas that we can come up with, including balloon launches, obviously, biodegradable balloons, because, you know, the environment. Um and we don't want to kill those cows and stuff. Um, but balloon launches, obviously one of the things we're going to do. But who That's else? Great what, idea. What's going on? Uh, a 15.0% beer brew. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. But, but in real ale, um, that'll kill off all the old people. So our season ticket um, uh, demographic will drop. 15% beer will kill off all the old people anyway. Or you yeah. could have a beer that's really, really strong. So it's like however many points clear we were, but it goes flat really quickly when you open it. <laughs> that would sum up Gloucester's history, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. So well, all these ideas, positives. some other ideas as well to think about. So because I noticed that Quinn's tug of went, war, tug, tug of war, war is some other mass podcast. tug of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. No, that's my arm coming out of my socket. What are you doing, Russ? Um, uh, unless we can bring in ringers. If we can bring in ringers, I'm well up for a tug of war. That's absolutely fine. Uh, the, Robinson's technically been on the pod. Mike Tindall. I'm sure yeah. the club would yeah. definitely clear. Can, 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 can we yeah, get a yeah, tug of war team on the pod? Yeah, exactly. It's like when <laughs> they used to do it at King's Home and they'd come out with proper fucking... Hobnail boots. Yeah, war boots. Oh, yeah. yeah, we just pulled him out of the crowd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the final thing I was, was going to say was, uh, I did one thing I did notice this weekend was that Quinns went to Sarries, and I'm not necessarily in favour of this, but it was an interesting idea, and I haven't really seen it in rugby. No, they're not going necessarily going for the ultras that you get in football, but they were doing. Um, uh, they would. They had actually some s- player songs. So they had songs for players. I think there's one for Joe Marler, um, one for Marcus Smith, I think, and another one for East Hazen. I think um, I'm not sure, but they were the ones I, I think I saw. Um, we've obviously got the Santi Carrera song now. Which Jim, please go ahead. Well, you have to make me think first. It's not, it's not hard, this one. It's not hard, mate. It's, it's literally not hard. Just, it's I don't think I've heard it, but I can guess it's... what it would be. Oh, Santi Carrera. Did that, co- did that come out, by the Because obviously it was big at the bath game, but did, I didn't I've... hear it after his try at Sarri's on uh, the telly. Uh, no, I didn't hear it particularly. No, I didn't also. I, I, it was brief. I briefly heard it at the Quinns game. So if even um, Matt can't stick around, then... Uh... Well, this is the thing. I think we need... This is where you need to get people in the shed. Work. You need to get people in the shed doing it. I'd be doing it. it. I'd, yeah. I'd be getting that going. So I think that was one. Um, then um, 
I think the other one I thought was would be quite good was um, Thorley's on fire, your defence is terrified. Get that one going. Nice, easy one. Everyone knows that song. Uh, we, we're not going to... Is that... I just saw... I, you didn't see the collective fart of our free facial expressions <laughs> well, when look, you said that. I'm coming Everyone up with ideas. Sure that one's you don't have to go with them. But what I'm saying is, I, you know, we don't have to come up with it like... You, New chance. There's plenty in football Ed, we can nick. Ed's well, gonna be I, that I, guy, I isn't like he? You know that, um, like you know, you know that guy from football who does the YouTube videos where he invents songs. The Liverpool one, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he came up with that Will Griggs on fire. I uh, know that was a Wigan lad. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he he does YouTube videos of songs that he's created and then gets yeah. it going. And then uh, there's one there's one at Liverpool. Does My it favorite well. was always a we all dream of a team of Gary Breens when I was at uni. Yeah. To the Yellow Submarine, number one. And yeah, they, so they had Marlon King at Gillingham for that. Yeah. He got arrested and put in prison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not so good then, is it? That's the problem. That's often the problem with player chance. But also is, you know, anyway, we'll we'll, we'll come we'll cover this in another in another episode. But I think it will we'll put it out there on on the on Twitter. Player chance. Let's get it going. We need to, I think it's an it's something that rugby's lacking gets the atmosphere going and uh, and um something slightly different to singing yeah. we are the gloucester boys seven times in a row with only four we have people we have words. more than 50 listeners that's enough to get a chant going we do i mean whether they're all in the ground at the same time is another matter but like i just <laughs> I, I love i love we are the gloucester boys it's it is good fun but there's only about 100 people in the shed who know it um, and, and I don't think the club do enough to promote it because it is a traditional song. It's been kind of the traditional Gloucester song for at least the last 30 years since the cup final. Um, you know, let's let's promote it. Let's get it going, you know, get it going on a on a on a regular basis. But um, anyway, that's enough of me wittering on. Uh, I think it is probably worth mentioning um, a few of our mates are probably still partying oh, yeah. hard. No, let's um, give them that. Yeah. But, uh, Long Levens Rugby Club won the IMART uh, World Rugby Plate um, final uh, yesterday, I think, as we're recording. Yes, beating um, Edinburgh, I believe. From yeah, I remember, they, so I they lost one game, um, which put very, them into the very plate. closely as well. Didn't yeah, they? by a yeah. point, I think. Yeah, um, which put them into the plate rather than the cup, and then they went through and won that. So, looking at the um, the photos and the videos and stuff, they did um, did a copy of the Gloucester. Yes. Lost the squad's post-match chant, which uh, the club retweeted. Um, yeah, uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice to hear some stories face to face of um, of what went on rather than on the social, because it does look like it was pro- it was done properly. I've yes. clips I've seen. It was very much in the spirit of rugby. Yeah, um, guys on Zimmer frames and wheelchairs, not because they're drunk or being <laughs> stupid, but because they are that physically able yeah. um, um, getting involved in rugby, which is what the mixed ability is all about. It's about getting people that otherwise wouldn't be able to play rugby playing. Um, so I hope that that tournament is a success, you know, not just for Long Levens, but for the tournament organisers and these things can, can grow and grow because I think that's really good. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah. from again, you're quite right there, Jim, all the photos, all the videos I've seen, the the spirit of rugby is alive and well it was exactly what rugby is about certainly about mixed ability rugby um and um i did think it didn't make me laugh when there's the lad in the wheelchair who's getting wheeled over the line and i thought imagine there's always going to be one defender in there who thinks i'm not very happy about this can we not just tackle him 
Yeah, the, the Matt Evans that doesn't get it and just no. goes <laughs> in and takes his head off. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly that. I wasn't going to name him, but yeah, that that exactly. A, a former teammate of ours who um who was it was always always full hundred percent effort if, on defense. Yeah, I, yeah, he was. There's, I know a better one. Um, Volley Thorl is hundred percent, and this guy's hundred and ten. <laughs> yeah. When when I when we played for Doughties, I think it was the first year. I don't know if Snow played in this game. I think it was before Jim and Ed's time. But we did Doughties current versus Doughty vets, which sounded like we should dick them. But Doughties used to be a really good side. The only but my abiding memory is there was one guy from our side. They brought on a bloke who was like that. They came over to us and like guys just this guy's about 70 just wants to hold the ball once just just let him run with it and i remember just one of our lot um he he's his nick his nickname is of a famous cartoon character for people who know him um he former police officer as well so um he was like no, i'm not having that i'm gonna fucking smash him and he <laughs> absolutely <laughs> wrote him off um so yeah, it, it, there is a precedent. But yeah, I, I haven't been able to keep up with social media a lot, but it's been really nice to see the stuff, and it's great to to know a few of the boys involved in it as well. So yeah, full credit to um, it looks it looks a really good competition, and hopefully I can catch up a bit more on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right, I think that is it now. Then thanks, guys. Really appreciate your time again. Um, we will come back next week after the final. We'll talk about all sorts of nonsense plus the final. Uh, then it'll be a bit of a pause. Um, uh, wait for the uh, auto, the uh, summer test against Australia. And um, yeah, as I said, there will be kind of pausing for a few weeks uh, until the season. I'm off to America, so I'm not going to be around for any of the preseason games uh, whenever they're announced. Um, but hopefully we'll be back for the first game of the season. So that's, that's a hopeful thing anyway. Right. Uh, all the best, guys. We will speak soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.